Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. And I'm joined by the big Aristotle, Shaq, as well as BJ. What up, guys? What's up, D Corey C? Glad to be here, man. Where you at, BJ? BJ, you there? Your man fell off. All right. <laughs> hey, you got a blooper reel. <laughs> hey, Shaq, you know me. I'll start the show off with that, like from the beginning, before the music or anything. I'll, <laughs> I literally start the show off like that. You know how I roll. Tiger fans, welcome to episode 187 of the official Tiger Talk with the 1400 Club podcast, bringing you all the latest news, updates, and buzz surrounding your mighty JSU Tigers. I am the Corey C. Be sure to download and subscribe to the podcast to be notified of every new episode. Apple Podcast users, rate and review the show. And everyone, follow Tiger Talk with the 1400 Club on Facebook and Tiger Talk 1400 on Instagram and Twitter. It all helps the cause, which is the I love, Jackson State University. And I'm joined by the big Aristotle Shaq as well as BJ. What up, guys? What's up, D Corey? Glad to be back on the show, bro. Same here, Core. I'm glad to be back. Let's get it. All right. So, how we doing? Everybody in good spirits? <laughs> <laughs> Very optimistic, ready for next week. Yeah, man. I've I've licked my wounds, man, and um, and I'm ready for next week, bro. Already moving on. I, I like to hear it, but before we move on, we we got to backtrack. We got to talk about it. We can't let it slip past us. We can't ignore it. It happened. We took one on the chin Saturday, of course, on the road at ULM, non-conference game, FBS opponent, first loss of the season. Now, we'll dive into the meat of it. But first, B- BJ, I want to start with you because I know you're always around the team. What was your take on the mood of the team or the staff following this loss? Well, you know, with this new expectations around the team and the staff, of course, you know, it was some disappointment. You know, you saw some heads down. You know, you saw some players disappointed because, you know, the, that level of perfection that we now expect we did not meet. And, you know, we had some good parts and we had some bad parts, but I think they know that um they can play better. And I think we'll see better going forward. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, our fans are all over the place after this one. I know you guys said, you know, optimistic and just kind of ready to move on. We have some fans who, who, who are op- optimistic and saying we're going to win the swag from what they saw. But then we have some fans who are ready to give up on the season and <laughs> <we have> everything <laughs> in between. Where are you guys with it? Where are you at with it, Shaq? Man, I'm always the I believe, the I love. So, um, <laughs> Uh, I said it that way because I wanted to make sure that I put 
emphasis on the part that I still believe. Mm-hmm. You know, this is a tough loss overall. Um, and I echo what BJ just said um, earlier. Um, you know, that there's a different culture and different expectations with the team overall. And it's unfortunate that we didn't come out with the dub on this one. But um, from this from this loss, I know that there's going to be some intrinsic motivation that's going to be established in some of these players. And this is going to be a feeling that they don't want to feel ever again. So, so I expect for them to come back from this um, with some um, increased motivation, you know, a spirited movement, if you will, uh, with them being dedicated and focused on their craft and them trying to make sure that they meet the expectations of excellence, man, because we're trying to make excellence the norm around here. I definitely agree. I definitely agree, like 100%. I think a lot of those guys know that they, you know, they could have played better. You know, it was one play here, one play there that, you know, in a game that, that was that close changes the game. So um, I think going forward, we're going to see a higher intensity in practice. We know Coach Prime and the staff puts a lot of emphasis on you practice how you play or you play how you practice. So um, I think we'll see those guys lock in even more. You should, I mean, the locker room, it, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a happy feel. You know, I think they know they left a couple of plays out there. And I think they really think they were the better team. And I, I think we were better the team as well. But, you know, you got to clean up some of those mistakes and move forward. I think we'll be fine. You know, and, and to add on to that, these are the small building blocks that you got to pay attention to that that moves your program from being a good program to an excellent and great program. So there's a big gap from being good to great. And unfortunately, these guys are going through those learning pains. But again, as I said, this this loss, you can you can take some good and bad from it. And, and the good is we proved that we belong. We proved that we definitely have uh, some overall great team speed, team chemistry. And these guys can compete on the bad side. The mistakes caught up with caught up with us. And um, you can't you can't win a football game. You know, you seldom win a football game with three turnovers. And, you know, th- that's what these guys got to come back from. Yeah, especially three turnovers, and then you don't force any turnovers on the other end. That's too right. much disparity, three to zero. But specifically with that assessment, kind of going back to what you were saying, BJ, what are some things you saw up close and personal? Like, what are some quick takeaways that you have? I saw great leadership. I mean, some of our leaders on the defensive side, even after the game, man, we saw some of our leaders on defense and offense coming up to guys, you know, encouraging guys. Let them know that, you know, even that we beat ourselves, you know, we made mistakes and just, you know, we got to keep going forward. That was one of the positives that I took from after the game. And even during the game, you saw guys fighting, you saw belief on the sidelines. It was a lot of life. And, we, you know, we saw some positives. Of course, the negatives, the turnovers, some of those things that we saw, those are things we got to clean up. But I saw a lot of team um, camaraderie. I saw a lot of togetherness. And um, I think it's going to be a positive going forward. I think they're going to learn from it and grow together. Defensively, um, we were stout. Our front seven was dominant. That was one of the things I was actually looking forward to seeing and seeing how dominant we were, you know, going up, you know, of course, going up to the FBS level and seeing how dominant our guys would be. And they were, they were there. It wasn't much penetration. They couldn't move us. Um, our linebackers were flying all around. Aubrey, Hamp, um, our secondary was good. I'm not sure, but I don't think we, we might have gave up one Explosive play over maybe 20, 25 yards. I'm not even sure they even they even completed one of those. But mm-hmm. um, when they did catch the ball, we were there to tackle. And we were stout all day long. Offensively, we had our struggles. We weren't consistent enough in in the overall scheme of things. But we had our chances to make plays. And we saw some positives. But I think they know that we left some plays out there. 
And I think we're going to see the best of Shador in this offense going forward. I think they're going to get back to work and understand that this is going to be a grind. It's not going to be overnight success, and it's going to take every day and consistency and practice going forward. So I think we'll be fine. And I echo that, man. I've tried to dissect the game and to compartmentalize it based on sections um, that I was looking and paying attention to closely. So starting off, uh, this game proved to me that our front seven on defense is the real deal. Front seven, secondary, they are the real deal. Uh, I, I like what I saw from that aggressive unit with the speed overall, the tackling. You know, we had a couple of missed tackles, but overall, I think it was a consistent tackling game. I think we stuck to our game plan. We limited the run. Um, there were some plays in the secondary that were extremely questionable in terms of the penalties and play calls that we got from the officiating crew, but uh, we'll get into that later. But I like what I saw in the secondary in the front seven, those guys, those big nasties on the front line. I love what I saw from Shadur with minus the interception. I like the composure because he was on a duress the entire night. Um, so I love the fact that he stood in the pocket and tried to go through his progressions and reads. Uh, if there's anything that I can critique him on, I think he tried to do a little bit too much in the latter part of the, um, the third and fourth quarters. And he had to just take what the defense was giving him, which was the underneath. And he, he went a little bit too much um, with, with the um, – uh, with the deep passes or at least looking for the deep passes to complete when he had some underneath routes uh, that he could he could easily dump the ball to. But in games like this, when you're playing up a level, the, I don't care what anyone says, the speed is completely different. The team mm -hmm. speed and the size is different. Mm -hmm. So for those guys to compete the way they did, uh, kudos to them. I think the biggest glaring weakness that we can all take away from this game is the offensive line needs some work. Um, I think, honestly, we're a couple of pieces away from having, you know, a formidable O-line. And I'm sure when they go back to practice, Coach Prime and his staff are going to shore up those gaps and those in the trenches and try to address those things because we need some consistent play in the O-line. And unfortunately, uh, without a running game uh, in this particular game, it affected us dr uh, dramatically because, you know, ULM could just basically prepare for the pass. And that's what they did all night. And Shaq, I want to go back to something you said. That was an interesting point that you brought up about the speed of the game at the two different levels, FCS versus FBS. I know a lot of times watching it at home, the average viewer may not see that or recognize that or understand that. Uh, but it's definitely a, a different speed uh, within the between the two levels of competition. Now, BJ, again, you were there, like I said earlier, up close and personal. You've been at the Tennessee State game. You were at the FAMU game. What did you see from a speed standpoint? Was there a significant difference up front when you watch a FAMU who have a, who have a pretty fast team themselves versus a, a FBS level Sunbelt ULM? Um, it definitely was a difference. Um, I believe their front line was definitely the most talented part of their team. And if you talk to a lot of people, when you go up a level, that's the biggest difference in the trenches. Their defensive line, their interior tackles, they were they were pretty good players and they looked pretty good. But um, like I said, our boys weren't phased. They weren't spooked or anything by that. They didn't allow that offense, a very up-tempo offense that Rich Rodriguez wants to run anyway, to get any rhythm. Um, it got so bad that he really had to pull his son late um, going into the fourth quarter, and they just went with um, the backup quarterback. Mm -hmm. I mean, we got to realize U.S. Lim was, what, five, I think, of 19 on third downs. Mm -hmm. I think they only had 156 yards passing, so we, we really did a good job adjusting to that speed, but it was a difference. And going back to something that you just brought up about them going to the backup quarterback, 
Cut Day Sports brought up an interesting point. He was actually talking to Ken Clark, and he pointed out something that I hadn't realized. You guys probably noticed this, but it didn't hit me. I knew it, but it didn't hit me until he brought it up. This is the, He said that Jackson State is three for three on getting the starting quarterback bench. Think about it. We've, we forced the opposition to go to the backup quarterback three straight games. This defense is formidable. These guys can get after it. They got speed. They have speed, rather, at every single position. I love the D tackles up front. I love the DNs on the edge. I love the linebacker play, and I love the secondary play. Uh, if there's anything that I would like to add more, it's more depth uh, in, at the cornerback position. But that's just that's just extra icing and sprinkles on top of the cake. Uh, mm-hmm. For me, I love to see that team speed that we have on defense because those guys get after it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, a lot of guys, a lot of people and fans are just saying, hey, you guys can only get pressure with the blitz. You know, cut that mess out. This this defense is legit. As 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 the as Corey just mentioned, we are three for three. Everybody is complaining, talking about quarterback problems. Can we just admit that maybe the defense is creating the quarterback mm-hmm. problems? Mm-hmm. That's something that we definitely have to point out and stress. I mean, your defense can make a quarterback look bad, and pressure is pressure. It doesn't matter if it's if you're dialing it up through the blitz or or, <laughs> or how you get into the quarterback. It should matter. Uh, going back to that cornerback depth, we ha- have had some injuries in the secondary. That's no excuse. It's it's football. Uh, it's a violent sport. It's injuries. Every team can say that. I uh, would definitely have had some issues back there. I think the depth. If everyone's healthy, I think we'll be fine. And even with an injury or two, because that, that's going to happen, I think we'll still be fine. But just going back to this defense overall, uh, we have to start with, you know, the incident in the first quarter with James Houston getting ejected for targeting. I was impressed with how the defense continued to play without him. He's arguably our best defender, especially in terms of getting pressure on the quarterback. But something that really has been just bugging me, I, I really think just watching that game after he was ejected, I really think that he could have been a difference maker, that he would have been a difference maker in that game, despite the fact that we still were able to constantly get pressure on the quarterback. But if you look at the game, throughout the night, we were a split second away from the quarterback. It's like we were a split second late every single time. And you have to think that a guy like a James Houston, who had 4.5 sacks the previous week and so many quarterback hurries, he could have gotten to that quarterback and that could have changed the complexion of the game. You may say, well, you know, you, you, know, you held him to, to, to four field goals. What could he have done differently? Well, a play here and a play there where he got to the quarterback, disrupted the, the rhythm of the offense, got a sack, that would have changed the field position, which would have put him out of field goal range. No telling if that would have forced a turnover. And, again, that would have changed the, the full complexion of the game. So I really would have liked to see what we could have done with the James Houston. No excuses, not crying over spilled milk. It is what it is. Uh, you know, we, 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 we continue to play without him. And, you know, we still had, had a task to do and we weren't able to get it done. But I just think that a guy like that, and I know it's, it's tough in a, foot, in a sport like football, it's tough for one person to make, the, make up the difference, especially five points in a football game other than a quarterback. But I think James Houston could have been that guy for us. I, I agree with you. I agree 100% with everything you said. Um, the fact that Houston was coming off the edge and leads the swag in sacks um, is telling and it, it is just a testament to how tenacious he is coming off the edge and how aggressive he is and how great of a player he is. He definitely would have changed the complexion of the game, and he definitely would have changed the play calling for ULM overall uh, on that particular night. As a matter of fact, they probably would have gone up, gone with the backup, um, the backup quarterback maybe sooner than anticipated mm-hmm. had Houston stayed in the game. And with that backup candidate, with that backup quarterback, rather, they kind of became one-dimensional. 
Um, so we knew that at the backup quarterback, either it was going to be a bootleg or design draw or maybe a pass to the flat. Uh, and when you can isolate the play calling to that fact, I mean, to, to those plays and centrally, I isolate that, you know, the activity and that aspect, you know, it, it works on the defense's behalf. So um, I, somebody's going to have to, you know, really dissect and break down these targeting calls and rules to me because, you know, that to me, that wasn't a malicious hit. And I'm not sure why he was ejected, but I thought targeting meant, you know, leading with the crown of your head with the intent, with the, with the malicious hit. And there was nothing malicious about that. The guy just got pushed into him and they just, they just happened to just hit helmets, which is the reason why you wear helmets in the doggone game. But, you know, <laughs> you know I, I hate, I hate that, you know, he got ejected for, you know, something that I, I definitely think he was pulling up and he didn't, he didn't want to hit the guy. Yeah, it was a bang, bang play. And actually, James hit him second. Junior applied the initial pressure and came up and, you know, later hit on the quarterback. And James just came in after, you know, it was all bang, bang. And, you know, it's questionable, you know, as a lot of them are, you know. And you know how that goes now, especially with the quarterback. You almost have to be very, very careful. And I think we got another roughing the passer penalty in that game as well. We might have gotten mm-hmm. – two of them but i know with the way today's game is played you have to be careful but you know regardless our defense played stout even after that um we shut out an fbs opponent from reaching the end zone i mean they all they only could muster on what four field goals the whole game Mm -hmm. and um my guys play big you gotta look at aubrey i think he had what 19 tackles yeah Yeah, 19 tackles shout out to aubrey because i i've been on the podcast saying I didn't see anyone having double-digit tackles because there's so many tacklers and the numbers right. would be yeah spread out. But Aubrey proved me wrong. He was all over the field. Right, he was. And I mean, a lot of our guys, we had some guys really come up and just play good quality football on the defensive side. We had contributions from everybody. Um, a lot of tackles for loss. I think we had three or four sacks. I mean, I, I know the Harrys and the quarterback Harrys had to be high. And we played a pretty good game. Could James have made another play that led to maybe a, a, a script or something like that? Possibly, because you know he's a playmaker. He's a he's a game changer. But I think our guys played outstanding after that. We slid Malik McLean in, mm-hmm. and he came in and he he had a pretty good game. That horse collar. I mean, I think mm-hmm. we've seen that be the um, center of controversy. That call. I mean, very very questionable. I don't think it was, but you know. Like I said, we had our chances. I don't like for us to piggyback off those. We know how it is. You're on the road. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you want to call it home cooking, we can call it that. But um, we had our chances, and, you know, we could have made, you know, potentially put that game in a in a space where we didn't have to rely on that. Yeah, you mentioned the 5 for 19 on third down. That was impressive. I held them to 250 yards total. Less than 100 on the ground, 156 passing. And we talked about the fact that we held an FBS team out of the end zone to only four field goals. So we hear a lot of this talk about ULM being a a bottom tier, bottom feeder FCS program, a team that did not win a game last year, which is true. Uh, But I want to put this in perspective. This is not the same team on the ULM side from last year. No, they did not win a game, but they brought in 62 new players. They brought in a, a coaching staff that has made a lot of changes and really changing the culture. Uh, I compare it to, you know, the Jackson State situation where we brought in a new right. staff and overhauled the roster. So to <clears throat> to say we beat that ULM team that didn't win a game last year is to say that ULM is playing the Jackson State team from last year under Coach Hendrick. And nothing against Coach Hendrick, but he was the coach last year. And, and obviously, you know, it was just a different team. 
I think I think it's safe to say these are two completely different teams. Jackson State, that is, from uh, the last time we played in 2019 uh, compared to this team. So I don't think that's a fair assessment to, to say, oh, we, we beat a team that went winless. And to take that a step further, this is not even the same team from the spring. We're talking about, what, five months ago? <laughs> this team is, right. is much different. You can't even say this is the same Jackson State team from five months ago, much less <laughs> two years ago. So how right. can we – say that this ULM team is the same. They brought in a number of new players who are starting or making contributions. And when you bring in a, a Terry Bowding, and when you bring in a Rich Rodriguez, you better believe it's going to be a different ball club and a different offense and, and a different defense as well. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. And, you know, the thing that I find some type of solace in, not that I even, I'm looking for solace, but everything that could go wrong this game did. With with the three turnovers, with the loss of James Houston, with some of the questionable um, penalties that we received, uh, namely, I, I'm going to point out three: the the out of bounds play with Shadur, that I definitely think he was in bounds. Oh, the, I forgot about that one. Yeah, the oh. pass interference on Nugget, which which he was he was body was completely head was turned around, he was looking for the ball, and obviously that horse collar call um, on 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 Malik McClain. So. You know, those, that's just three calls themselves that definitely changed the complexion of the game because I think that horse collar call ended up being the 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 call that extended their drive on. A, it was that was a third down as well. It was a third down call, and that's the that's the that's the drive that put them up. That's the drive that that they were they were they were held to six points, and that's the drive in the fourth quarter that put them up nine to seven. So. You know, things like that, they don't swing your way. But, but even with all that adversity against us, even with, you know, all of the things that could go wrong, we still had an obvious chance to win that game. We did. I definitely agree. And going back, picking back off that defensive performance, guys, looking back at the stats, it looked like we had 12 tackles for loss. Like, we really were in their backfield a lot. And it was multiple people. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. Like, we had a very good defensive performance. And I hope they can build on that going into swag play. So let's talk about how that type of defensive performance will translate over to swag play. Because again, at the end of the day, ULM is an FBS Sunbelt team. I don't care how many games they won in 2019. Those are FBS players going up against a, a swag team. And we consider ourselves, you know, a different type of swag team. But at the end of the day, a uh, swag team playing against the FBS team. And but going forward, we will be playing against swag opponents. So let's talk about defensively how that will translate over to SWAC play going forward, considering the type of the level of competition, the type of teams that we're going will be going up against. You know, we we talked about the team speed differentials when you're playing FCS versus FBS ball games. Um, well, in particular, FCS at the SWAC level or, or the HBCU level and upper tier or mid tier, lower tier FBS programs, you wanna ha- you wanna be in games like this because it gives your players and your team overall, it gives them um, a good understanding of the overall team speed and the way they have to come and address the game. You know, it gives them some preparation tools so that they can go back to the drawing board, look at where and diagnose where they went wrong at, diagnose some of the mistakes, you know, and things that they can get better at. But you always want to go against better or higher level competition because iron sharpens iron, right? So you know, these guys and these guys are grinding, you know, they're learning some of the mistakes that they made. And I can guarantee you these guys are not they don't want to make those mistakes again. If 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 I see if the culture of what I believe I see is true 
these guys are right now working on their craft as we talk on this on this podcast trying to ensure that they don't make those same mistakes again mm -hmm. i agree and going forward our squack opponents are going to have to deal with our overall team speed our overall physicality if i had to describe my defense that would be one of my main points physical those guys are physical at the point of attack our interior tackles they are very hard to move and they're nasty they don't you know, they're going to let you know about it when they hit you. And you're just going to have to deal with it all game. And they are very relentless. And um, I like the leadership on that side of the ball. And I think going forward, I don't know. I don't want to sound biased. You're biased. I, you can say it. <laughs> it's okay. Okay, it's fine. I'm gonna but but you, can be, you can be biased and you can keep it real at the same time. That, that, that's actually I two things can be true. Deep down in my heart, I believe Jackson State is the best defense in the SWAC. And I don't believe it's close. I don't I think that's a biased statement. I believe I think they that's are all facts. clear cut the best defense in the SWAT. And I don't, you know, I just think for you to put up a lot of points on this defense, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to have a lot of help. And it's just it's not gonna be easy. It's gonna be a very difficult task. And um I just think they're gonna be one of the leaders of our team. I definitely think offensively we have some things to work on, and that's fine. I mean, no one's a perfect team, especially right now, it's still early. And that's one thing I want everybody to really focus on and relax. It's the third game. This it's, it's a long season. Like, it's not the end. But like I said, this is the, the initial journey that we're on. I think we're going to keep getting better and better every week. Let me go back to what you were saying about being biased. I, I want to touch on that because, like, let's be honest. This is a Jack State podcast with Tiger Talk with the 1400 Club. The 1400 Club is an official affinity group. Uh, for the university, for Jack State University, specifically Jack State U University Athletics. We're there to support the student athletes, support the university, fundraising initiatives, whatever we can do uh, to make the program better. So, of course, uh, you know, we develop relationships with, with coaching staff, players, and things of that nature. So, and we're just Jackson State the I love regardless. So internally, we're going to be biased for our Tigers. But at the end of the day, uh, there's, there's always two sides to the coin. There are positives and there are negatives to everything. So we can point out the positives and it not be considered biased. We're just pointing out what it is because an L, it stands for two things. It's a loss, but it's also a lesson. So we could talk about the negatives, but we can also talk about the positives you know, that we can take from it and what the team and what we can learn from it moving forward. Uh, so I just wanted to point that out there, BJ. It's okay to be biased. But along with that, let's talk about the other side. Let's talk about some of the negatives. What are some things that you know, we saw that we did not like we need to improve on? And I want to start off with the, just the offense in general. Uh, what are we seeing uh, with this offense? It seems like we took a step back. You could uh, you could say that, hey, the level of competition was different, but there's still no excuse. If we are as good as we say we are, then we have to perform against a Sunbelt team. We can't be held to seven points. So what are some things out there offensively that you guys saw that we get, we, we got to fix or things aren't going to go well for us moving forward? First, first, and, first and foremost, you got to look at the um, the O-line. And the reason why you have to is because everything starts there in a, in a game. In the trenches, the O-line, those guys dictate the pace of the game. They dictate um, the play calling of the game. And they dictate um, essentially, you know, how the game is going to flow overall. And, you know, at the onset of the game and after, after the kickoff, you saw obviously that their D line, ULM's D line, could penetrate our O line, and they did it. I'm not going to say they did it at ease, 
but they did it in a way that it was a concern for me as soon as the game started. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, you know, when I say it restricts play calling, if you got, if you have, um, you know, five guys, of course, and you're, you're putting them and you're going five wide every play and you're getting, you're getting, you know, you're bleeding with, with a rush of three guys and they're getting through and they're penetrating after three seconds, you know, it, it, it's going to affect your play calling. So for those fans out there who are clamoring about the offensive play calling and everything else, you have to understand that that O-line play dictates, you know, which plays that you can essentially call in a game like that, especially when the team speed is a little bit different, but you know, that's no excuse. Those guys have to produce. So if there's anything that I'm going to start off with, the O-line play is definitely one of the glaring weaknesses that has to get better. Mm-hmm. And from the eye test being there up close and personal, uh, BJ, how much did the, the play of the O-line restrict what we can we could do and affect what we could do and kind of limit us? I mean, we have to remember this is football. And football is a physical game first and foremost. It's physical. Um, you have to move people. And that's something that we are struggling with right now. And I think that's the one thing that we can definitely improve just the overall physicality on offense. And that's just not the whole line. That extends out to the receivers. It was a few times on screen plays. Our guys had to get out and get nasty. We can't be too finesse, this, if that's the word you want to use. I think that we can just be overall be more physical. And I think that will help our running game. I don't think it's our backs. I think it's just the overall physicality. And that's a mindset that you have to build up and build up and build up in practice and throughout the game, we going up into the game. Because mm-hmm. if you look at it, I think we had, what, um, 17 rushes for, I think, 25. Or, I know we didn't have more than 30 rushing yards. Mm-hmm. And that's horrendous. That's we not, had that's, 17, that's 17 rushes for 26 yards, 1.6 yards per carry. That's and that, and that, that won't win you a game. That won't win you a game. And you have to realize, as talented as Shadur is, that's not fair. I mean, that's mm-hmm. you're asking a lot of him to go to any environment, let alone on the road against an FBS opponent and win a game. That's 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 a lot. Like that's a lot for anybody. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, you mean because you have to realize when you can't run the ball, the other team, especially when you have pretty good weapons, it's hard for you to get one-on-one matchups because the team can pretty much just play back and play relaxed, and they can just use their initial front to control the line of scrimmage, and it's it's tough. The windows get smaller, and it's just a tougher game. So. Going forward, I think we need to be if we can be more physical. And I'm not saying we have to be this big power powerhouse running attack. I don't think that's necessary. I think we just need to be physical enough to where teams have to honor it just a little bit. And if they do, I mean, with the talent that we have at the quarterback position and at some of our skill positions, we can really cause people some trouble. It it, think, it opens up the playbook. It does. It it, really it does. just opens up the playbook to play action, bootlegs. You know, screens, I mean, it opens up so many possibilities. And that's the thing that was obvious in this game that really that really hurt me um, is the fact that we, we really couldn't get any push up front. Yeah. Now, pass blocking, you know, those guys did a decent job. But the run blocking left a lot to be desired. Yeah, I agree. And even going into the game, um, I know people noticed our first drive, our first two drives, you saw Shadour really – getting that ball out quick like I feel like they had a very emphasis on getting the ball out quick and I think that was something that they really going into the game they really wanted to try to help our O-line out you know using the pass game as an extension of the running game but we're gonna have to 
you know, going forward. I and mean, I'm sure our coaches they're they're gonna work diligently diligently to um on that. But we just need to work on trying to be more physical. Because at the end of the day, sometimes you just have to fire off the ball. That's and, it. You know, and, and you know, pick up two or three yards. And if you look at that something that we have struggled with this season early is just third and twos, third and ones, those situations mm-hmm. where they know you're running, we know mm-hmm. we're running, and we just go I mean, you just have to pick those up. We can't. That's just something that we just gonna have to go together as a team to do better. Four for thirteen on third down. We struggled there all season, but right. like guys, I mean, at the end of the day, the team that we have is the team that we have. We aren't adding players at this point. So when we talk about being more physical, when we talk about improving this O line play, is the personnel there? I mean, is it something that we can scheme up, or, or what can be done? Is this you just a problem that's going to plague us, or will it will it? Uh, balance out, so to speak, once we move into swag play. You know, Coach Coach Prime and Mike Markison, they, they <coughs> mentioned this earlier in the season in preparation for the first game. And they admittedly said that those guys up front, the big nasties, those guys are going to have to be more physical. And they were 100% correct. So if there's anything that I want to see going forward, I want to see a more tenacious and aggressive attitude. And I want to see more heart those guys are just going to have to dig deep and and just find a way to get it done um if that means that they just got to get in the weight room more then so be it but those guys are going to have to find some some effort from somewhere to go back to the drawing board and admit to themselves that they just got to do better i agree and it's also front and a lot of it it's a mindset like i said it's an overall mindset to know the Ball. At the end of the day, it's, it's football. It's a physical game, mm-hmm. you know. And you just sometimes it's your you versus him, and sometimes you just gonna have to, you know, um, man up, hold your wheel. <laughs> yeah, man up and hold your wheel up. on him. You know, Absolutely. like I said, if it's a, if it's a, if it's a third and two, we have to be able to start converting those. Mm-hmm. And a lot of reason is, you know, a lot of our times, our third down percentage is so bad because, like I said, if you're constantly in third and eight, third and nine third and seven, the percentages are not going to be in your favor. When you're not able to run the ball on first down and you're kind of sporadic, you're going to end up in those large situations. You look at it, flip side on our defense. If you consistently end up in third and long because our defense, it's not going to be a good day for you. Mm-hmm. I don't care who you have. It's just not, not at all. going to be, not at it's not all. Going to be a good day. Definitely, right. definitely. And it's going back to Shadur. You know, we talked about his play. He's going to make mistakes. All quarterbacks make mistakes. First of all, let's be clear on that. Like, like, show me the perfect quarterback. <laughs> he always gets the, you know, the the bulk of the attention and you know the complaints from the fa- from any fan base. But the quarterback, you know, he's he's going to dominate the ball offensively, and you know, all of his mistakes are magnified. Uh, but Shadur, right. despite all that, he still went twenty eight for forty two. That's still completing two thirds of his passes. You know, he had been at a what seventy five percent clip in the you know, first two games but 67 percent against an fbs opponent uh he threw a touchdown he threw an interception his first interception that was going to happen eventually and mike we said he was glad he went ahead and finally yeah, got it out of the way let's let's get that one under your belt <laughs> so, yeah. get that interception out of the way but i mean overall a solid game made some uh, made some mistakes one thing about Shadur, he loves watching film he is a student of the game so he he's probably already looking at the film looking at what he can do differently and i'm, I'm sure he's going to improve that's the one guy i'm not worried about uh, I think we, we have a special one on our hands. So uh, let's just, you know, again, let's uh, a freshman, but he's a baller. He's going to get it done for us. I'm not, I'm not even concerned. He's if, if, if you're as a fan are, are upset with the play of Shadur Sanders, trust me, 
it's nothing compared to how upset Shadir Sanders is with the play. Yes. So I, I, I definitely agree. relax on that. And we had some other positives offensively as well. Shout out to Warren Newman. Ten catches. That was a career high. I mean, he's just getting it done. Coach Prime talked the other day about trying to out-recruit him, meaning, you know, bringing in players that are better across the board. Not, not Warren Newman specifically. He was speaking on Warren when he made the comments, but just trying to out-recruit you and bring in kids who are going to push you down the depth chart. He said he has not been able to do that with Warren, whether it's somebody in the return game or even these, you know, these uh, high, high uh, prospect or, or highly rated wide receivers. Warren Newman continues to find himself on the field, continue to find himself making big plays. And, and he's really become a, a favorite of Shadour and just a, a safety blanket, if you will, almost like a tight end out there, that safety blanket for Shadour where he knows he can throw, he can dump the ball off too. So kudos to Warren Newman. And also Josh Lanier, of course, he had the touchdown, seven catches as well. So there were some bright spots. I do want to see this wide receiver core, even though we are able to spread it out, I do think there's some room for improvement for this wide receiver core because we really pumped these guys up on the show. So I think we need to see overall those guys step up, especially with those drop passes and things like that. I agree. I agree. I agree. You know, the, the drop passes were an eyesore. Um, one could have easily been a touchdown. Another one, a couple of other drops were obviously first down catches that could have put us in position to score. So you want to see those guys take advantage of the moment. Um, and get a chance to to not only cre- increase their confidence in the game, but increase the confidence for Shadua overall as well. Because once he knows those guys are dependable and they can go and get it, it makes it makes his job a lot easier as well. So, you know, everybody wants to shine, but you know, you got to put in work and you got to make sure you make the play in order to put yourself in position to shine. Mm-hmm. So, kudos to, to 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 my guy. You know, on the show a, a while back, I said he was one of my favorite players. I call him Six Legs. So. I'm keeping that name for you, Warren, if you're listening to the show. Warren Six Legs Newman. Great job, bro. Great job. He had to respect a lot of people across throughout college football, national media included. He got a shout out from uh, Sports Illustrated after the game is just being that guy, just being you know electric. And he's gotten that from commentators and pretty much everyone that's seen him play. So uh, definitely a shout out to Warren, Warren Newman. All right, but fellas, hey, we again, like I said, we took one on the chin, but things I think will start to look up. We have a D2 opponent, Delta State. Team that we can't look over. They, they, did they beat us before? They have. <laughs> they, they have. They have. I think they beat yeah, us maybe about the comedy championship season. Well, um, I, I think so. I think so. I think one they of comedy championship season. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then I, I yeah. we, they, we came back around and we beat them with um, with Casey Tyrio. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So yeah. not overlooking them when I, you know, things are going to look up. You know, formidable opponent. We have to give every team on your schedule of respect. But having said that, this is a team that uh, we expect to, uh, you know, this team meaning Jackson State, the team that we expect to improve from here and only get better. And then we'll start that swag play pretty soon, and we'll see really see where we stand against our. Our peers. So, uh, but keep, everyone keep it locked right here. Tiger Talk with the 1400 Club. You know, we have you covered. Win, lose, or draw, we'll be here to break it down, let you know what's going on, we'll let you know what to expect, give you as much insight as possible. Thanks, BJ. Again, he's right there with the team all the time. So, we always enjoy his perspective. And of course, Shaq, the big Aristotle, always giving us that deep, profound perspective every <laughs> single time he comes on the show. <laughs> I appreciate that, man. Well, look. Shout out to the I love. Shout out to the guys, the Blue Bengals, the guys that are producing for this program, the football team. 
you keep your head up as again i hope this gives you guys some intrinsic motivation to get back to your craft to go ahead and start putting in the extra work because again we're trying to make excellence the norm around here so hey lick your wounds let's get back to business and let's get let's get back to being the i love and becoming the program in the swag and fcs and eventually college football hey amen amen and that'll do it for episode 187 of tiger talk with the 1400 club thank you to all of our listeners and again be sure to download and subscribe to the podcast apple podcast listeners rate and review the show and everyone follow tiger talk with the 1400 club on facebook and tiger talk 1400 on instagram and twitter i cannot stress the importance of this enough we're looking to do some big things with this platform to aid the athletics department and it all starts with you downloading subscribing rating and reviewing the show and tell every tiger that you know we're on all podcast outlets Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, CastBox, and so on. And we'll be posting each episode on our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages. As always, thanks for your support. Go Tigers! Hashtag I Believe. Hashtag The I Love. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.